Hello and welcome to Everyday People, Everyday Minds. I'm your host, Josh Woods. Joining us on the show today is Jessica Marshall. Jessica is the founder and executive director of Mamlaka Healing, a nonprofit organization aimed at providing alternative healing to its patients. So, hi, my name is Jessica Marshall, and I am a founder slash executive director of a nonprofit organization called Mumlaka. And um, our mission is to provide individuals that are suffering from chronic illnesses and long-term disabilities with alternative medicine for healing. So pretty much people that are on Medicaid, low income, that would like to explore the world, um, alternative medicine, um, with the conventional conventional medicine that they get. Um, we just kind of want to lock arms with conventional medicine and um, just help people that want to explore different options besides just taking um, prescriptions. Okay, wonderful. And uh, my curious, uh, curiosity does strike. Uh, what is Mamalaka? Mamlaka. Mamlaka, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. We're, we're, we realize the name we picked that we're still um, helping people to understand how to say it. It took me a little while <laughs> as well. Um, but Mamlaka means, in Hebrew, it means kingdom. Wonderful. Um, so it means um, God's kingdom, and pretty much he put us on this earth to uh, help each other, not to rule over each other, but to help each other. And that we have the ability to heal each other. And so, yeah. So, more or less, your, uh, the organization's philosophy kind of falls in line with... Uh, We're with a faith-based organization. Wonderful, yes. wonderful. And then, uh, so, you, uh, you run a nonprofit organization here in Colorado. Um, how is that treating you uh, as far as what the economy is like and as far as what the need is like? with our patients so um, when you are in the industry of helping people um, the need I realize for us is much greater than <laughs> um, at this point the funding that we're getting in so we're very cautious as far as we want to get the word out but when you spread the word you're spreading it for people that are interested to be clients and people um, that want to bring in the funding. And it's we knew that the need was there because we kind of just put it together. It's a six-month rehabilitation, holistic rehabilitation program. So pretty much when a client comes, we discuss and find out what do you need help with, what are your issues, um, and we take it on a deeper level of um, figuring out what the root cause is because a lot of times um, conventional medicine is pretty much just to diagnose, treat symptoms. Um, they have trouble with the spirit and mind aspect, um, realizing that that has to go along with the body to have some sort of alignment. So we, our biggest requirement is we have to have a willing spirit, somebody that is on that journey already, ready and knows that they need something more than just conventional medicine to help them. But it has to be within them. 
So more of a well-rounded healing rather than Correct. centric healing. Exactly. Well, that's wonderful. There's, uh, I, I feel it's some, uh, that, that's one of the things that really gets lost in uh, modern medicine is uh, we treat the disease but not the, the mind and failing to recognize uh, just how deeply ingrained the mind is with, uh, with illness, uh, especially uh, with someone who experiences chronic illness or chronic pain. Uh, that's going to bring about a, uh, a real heavy amount of uh, depression. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We um, I I really believe that conventional medicine is great for acute, but when it comes to chronic, we have a long way to go. Um, because as the time goes on and the person is chronic in their condition, it changes their mindset. Mindset, you know they. Mm-hmm look at the world differently. I can speak from that personal experience just because of what I've been through. Um, and it's it's hard. It's hard. You, you want to be present, you know, and try to do everything you can to take care of your health. But then things just kind of come at you from all different directions. <laughs> like, the bills are still coming in. Oh, right, we don't care right. that you're still sick. And, you know, if you have family or kids to take care of, the kids are like, oh, I still need to take care. Right. So it's like everything else still is going as your health is deteriorating. And I've realized we're not doing enough as a society to help those people. And so that's kind of where the, the need came from, of just seeing that from both sides of being a patient and me being a registered nurse of 12 years. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Now, uh, you just uh, mentioned briefly uh, some of your uh, experiences that led you up to this. Um, so what's some, uh, what's some personal background on yourself? Okay, so um, I would say four and a half years ago, I ended up just having like tingling and numbness in my arms. Um, I've had it before, but it's always gone away in a couple minutes. Um, this lasted for, I would probably say 12 hours, <laughs> me being a nurse and being stubborn, like, yeah, you know, I'll be fine. And then when the pain started to get, we're, we're terrible patients, <laughs> but when the pain started to get really bad and it was, it started from my hand. It was working its way all the way up to my neck. Then I was like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong. And then we go to the worst case scenario. I'm having a heart attack. Let me pop some pill, um, some aspirin. <laughs> and I run to the hospital. So to speed it up, pretty much they said, oh, you probably have a pinched nerve. End up going to see um, an orthopedic. And then they said, oh, let's, take, let's see what's going on with your neck. Did an MRI. And then it showed that I had a brain tumor in the oh, wow. base of my, um, at the bottom of my um, uh, head, sir. yes, sir, yes. So they um, they didn't really know what to do. It was a accidental finding, and within that month, I would say I ended up um, could not walk. Uh, ended up in the hospital, um, pregnant, and they gave me a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Oh, wow. And that's when I really saw how broken our healthcare system was. That's, that's a heavy load to take on in, what, month's time, was it? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was in a month. My goodness. Yeah. What, what was the emotional impact of that? It was like I didn't even have time to go through all the emotions. It was like crying, mad, depression, and all. <laughs> Very rapid. Um 
But I had to say I was blessed that I have a very good family support. So they went with me. Like when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for two weeks. And I actually had them discharge me because they could not figure out. And the biggest thing why they was keeping me in there because insurance was giving them a hard time. They did not want to um, admit me into the hospital because they said oh, all the things I can do is um, outpatient. And it was for the nurses that advocated me. And in that moment, that's when I was like, wow, this is my worth, depending upon what the insurance say, depending upon what type of care I get. And it hurts, especially when you've been in the healthcare system as I was as a registered nurse. And we never want to say, oh, we'll get special treatment or anything like that. But it's like it's like a person serving, you know, in the, in the military. And then you come home and then you're like, wow, this is how the, the country I serve for. This is how they treat me. And that's how people in the healthcare system feel when you're in there and you're doing tired, you're giving hours, you're, you know, spending less time with your family um, and just all the emotions that come along with being in the healthcare system to have a situation where you think, okay, they're going to take care of me and realize, no, they're not, unfortunately. So it was very emotional roller coaster. Uh, with me having, um, when four years ago when they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, then they was like, oh, you may have lupus because certain levels were high. And it was not until I got, I'm from New York. So okay. coming here to um, Denver, Colorado, it was actually a rheumatologist out here that diagnosed me with um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, I actually got diagnosed when I was pregnant with my son, um, which he's doing well through everything that I've been through. He's four years old, so um, I'm very blessed. He's my miracle child. Um, they diagnosed me with POTS, which I'm still learning what that is. I believe that's um, posterior author. Um, tachycardia tachycardia syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my little sisters. Uh, one of my little sisters has that. So, uh, and yeah. So. I'm, so I'm still learning out the the lettering of like the the definition of it, but they it pretty much the way they explained to me the cardiologist was that when I go from a sitting or a laying down position to going to stand up, you know, my heart rate jumps up and then I get dizzy. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm gonna pass out. Um, but I realized it also happens when I'm standing up and not doing anything. Right. Um, and they pretty much explained because of me having the, the EDS that my, um, the, the vessels um, pretty much are not able to constrict when changing positions. Right. So that's why my heart rate will kind of go all over the place. Right. And so and it's... How long, uh how long had you been experiencing that prior to uh, diagnosis? Um, so I had my son in 2015. Um, that's actually why I was taken out of work um, in, I want to say, the end of 2014 uh, because of I was having the palpitations and just short of breath. So I had that at that point. It was not until after I gave birth to my son where it kept going on. So then they was right. like, okay, it might be something more than just the pregnancy. Right. So it was like, okay, I got that diagnosis. And as they say with any chronic condition, as the years go on, uh, 
being sarcastic. We're very blessed to find out all these wonderful symptoms that start coming out of nowhere yes. where you think you got a hold of one of your conditions, then it's like, whoop, here goes another <laughs> one. It pops up and you're like, yay, more things right. to do. <laughs> that, that's always been uh, an interesting aspect. You start getting like one, uh, one diagnosis nailed down, you start feeling great, then like start noticing these other things and it's like, well, wait a second. I'm being treated for this already. Exactly, yeah. And then you're like, is it related to what I already have or is it just something else? Right. And um, actually, um, a nurse practitioner that I have here, um, she told me that my brain tumor was um, probably related to the um, EDS because she said a lot of her patients that have EDS have had some type of brain issue. And I said, oh, really? So it... It was nice, I have to say, it was nice to have a diagnosis because going to doctors where they're like, you know, pretty much trying to figure out, you know, trial and error, it was just frustrating. And it really messed with my mind psychologically. We live in a world that we need labels, you know, and not only labels for ourselves, but for other people. And, And they act differently when you have a label. If you just say you have these random symptoms, then they're like, okay, is it all in your head? But then if you say, oh, I have lupus, then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have an aunt or something. Totally understand. And they're more sympathetic and empathetic to what you're going through, which is crazy. But it really is. And labels is kind of one of those things that I'm mixed and torn on because I think we put uh, way too much emphasis on because it does create a level of cognitive dissonance if we don't have the exact label on it but at the same time like like you said just being able to more descriptively identify to another person what is going on because if you start listening up the symptoms um, to anyone who doesn't understand or doesn't live with uh, chronic illness, chronic pain, they're just going to see you as like, okay, is this person just whining? Like, did they yeah, just need exactly. someone to Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's definitely a, something that, you know, that one of the stigmas that uh, hopefully we can start. Try to break down. Exactly. Um, I was 28. Um, no, I was 29. So imagine being a 29-year-old prior to me getting sick. I was riding a motorcycle. I was saving to buy a house. So when I got sick, one of the hardest thing I had was I had to prove to people how sick I was when I was in the wheelchair because I couldn't walk. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they would ask my mom, was I in an accident or something happened? But then when I finally was able to walk and because of my spirit and my belief in God and Jesus Christ, it really helped me to be able to realize that I may not be able to go back to how I was before. So it was like I was grieving um, it was a lot of things going on at that time. But once I got out of the wheelchair, people were like, oh, you're fine. You know, you don't have no history. And then when they actually looked at my history and they're like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, don't assume, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if I have to sit down or rest or something, then it's like they're like, oh, you're lazy. Something like that. No, I have right. a tumor. You want me to take it out and show it to you? Right. <laughs> so now do you still live with this tumor? Or so that- I've been blessed that. The one of the things I would definitely say, advocate for yourself. Who knows your body best is yourself. So if there's something that constantly keeps going on and it just doesn't feel right, um, continue searching for somebody that will at least listen to you and explore what's going on. And that's what happened with my tumor. Every time I kept going to somebody, 
First of all, I was pregnant, so nobody wanted to touch me. I had a tumor. I was pregnant, and some autoimmune mysterious. Right. <laughs> they're like, the, she's a yeah. walking time bomb. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, they, they see a lawsuit coming. And that, so they, they stayed away. And the thing is that majority of my neurological testing was normal. So that just that's the other thing that happens when you have a condition. It's like certain things come back normal, so it takes you out of that category that... Um, our healthcare system puts these different conditions in. Um, but then finally, I would say 2016, January 6, 2016, I was, um, well, actually in December 2015, I was able to find a doctor um, that believed that 80% of my symptoms would go away. Like I had excruciating neck pain. I had really bad headaches. Um, and he said, I think that would go away by taking this tumor out. They went to do uh, my surgery the day before uh, Christmas, oh, Christmas wow. Eve. I'm like, wow, no, it's it's no, no. <laughs> I yeah. said I can't do that to my family. You know, my son was um, ten months at that time, and I said no, I can't do that. And so we did January six. I got it taken out, and coming to find out, it was actually bigger than what they thought. It was like double the size. Oh wow! So it was. Um, it was an interesting road, <laughs> you know, like and spiritually, my, my family came out. When you go in for brain surgery, like family comes from, I was blessed. I had family that came from Georgia, North Carolina to New York. Um, so I had a waiting room of family that prayed Wonderful. for me. So Wonderful. Having that much family and that much love and support around you has definitely got to be just absolutely empowering. It makes it definitely makes a difference, you know. I say that to um, when I had my patients, I could really see the difference as recovery from the people that had um, good support. Now, not just any support, because sometimes it can have the um, the opposite effect, <laughs> um, and you know you can't you know pick your family, so you definitely have to be cautious of who you have in your circle. But I've seen a difference from people who had support and who didn't have support. Um, I would say probably like 75% of the people that had support did so much better than the people that didn't have support. Just their mindset and knowing that they're loved and that somebody cares about them and that they don't have to carry this burden by themselves, it makes a huge difference. I can imagine. Now, um, what form of ehlers Donaldson did they finally diagnose you with? So um, they said I had hypermobility. And they wanted me to go, another doctor, uh, my nurse practitioner wanted me to go to see a, um, what do they call, a geneticist. Um, but supposedly she's like, it's going to be a waiting list. I said, yeah, I've heard about that. Um, I said, I've been blessed to find a, a Facebook group that has, you know, um, that's EDS. And they have told me that it's a waiting list. And she said, I'm going to put you on this one. But it's going to be two years. And then one of her assistants was like, oh, well, that's better than the other waiting list, which is 10 years. And I'm like, oh. that's not really comforting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so um, we're trying to see who else supposedly has in my family since it's very um, common that it's more than one person to have it. Right. Which makes me a little concerned for my son, but it's nothing I can really do right now except for monitoring him. I, I understand that all too well. I've got uh, two sons uh, that I have to, that I'm kind of watching and waiting for the signs and I've got like, I'm 
because it's pretty much a 50-50 likelihood mm-hmm. of a passage through the genes. Exactly. Um, um, unfortunately, my kids are still like nine and seven, so they're you know, so they've still got a lot of cartilage and a lot of soft tissue going on. That's what I was telling the pediatrician. I'm like, he has cartilage. Of course he's going to be flexible. Right. <laughs> uh, my oldest son, however, uh, he can do this crazy lightning bolt bend with his finger, uh, finger and knuckles, and it's just, it, it's EDS all the way through. You know. I had a question. I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, earlier you were mentioning uh, that there's a six-month program that six-month uh, holistic rehabilitation program. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what, all, uh, what all do you involve in that? So um, we're still, as far as, with any business, as you go along, it, it, it changes. You know, it's, you realize, okay, we, you know, this works really well in, in, it, um, in the organization and, and this doesn't work that well. Um, so we're definitely learning as time goes on. And um, with, with me being a registered nurse, going to the nonprofit side, it's, it's a business. It's the only difference is, we, you know, we don't, we're not for profit. That's really. Right. <laughs> um, so with that being said, the six month program, it, when a client comes in, like I have a client that has um, cancer and um, she was doing chemo, but chemo was just really um, taking a toll on her body. And she was just spiritually, she felt this, um, this feeling of, you know, don't, don't do it anymore. So she came to us and she's like, you know, I want to do alternative medicine. I want to try these different things, but I can't afford it. You know, I'm on Medicaid. I'm a single mom. And, you know, I just, you know, I don't have the money to be able to keep up with it. So we bring her in. We talk to her. We, since we're our organization, it's, it's faith-based. It's, it's off a connection. Um, we can feel, you have to feel that connection just when you go to the doctor's office. There's a lot of doctors out there. They're very knowledgeable. But if you don't feel that they have that human side of them of, of just, like I say, empathy or just compassionate, then, then it's, it's not going to work. You know, the, the energies, they're going to bump heads. It's, you're, not gonna, you're only going to get butt so far. So that's our biggest thing for us is that have, how deep we're going into a person's life, you know, finding out the root cause of how they got that way. Now, we're not making any claims that we're going to cure anybody or, or um, diagnosis or anything like that. It's just helping them along their way, you know, figuring out what makes them feel good to get them to their optimum level in health. Everybody's level of um, what they consider healthy is, is different. So we sit down, we find out what their needs are, and then um, the four things that we focus on is like um, Reiki, um, yoga, acupuncture, and some type of herbalist or natural pathic doctor that can um, subscribe um, supplements. And this is supposed to be intertwined with their doctors so you know we made it very clear that you know we're not telling telling her to get rid of her oncologist or anything we actually I go with her to her oncologist to make her aware because they need to know you know you want to make sure there's no reactions or anything like that but also if she is doing well you know I think if you're the primary care um provider you need to know that okay this is why this person is doing so much better 
And so we, it's, it's a process. So maybe the first month they just do acupuncture. We cannot help a person if they're in excruciating pain. If they're in chronic pain, it's a wall that is stealing their peace from them. And in order for us to get past that wall, we have to deal with the most acute issues that they're having at that point or in the most severe issues. Right. Hey there, it's Josh. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Uh, it's actually interesting that you mentioned Reiki. Um, not, many, uh, not many Americans uh, really would know what Reiki is. I actually happen to know what it is. I used to practice Reiki, so. Oh, really? But, um, I'm still learning about it, okay. so you might be better off like <laughs> explaining because I'm still learning from different people. I know it has to do with the energy, right. and, and as far as clearing, you know, like everything out. But I know you would do better explaining it. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'll steal the thunder a little bit here. Then. Um, so Reiki is this. Uh, centuries-old uh, Japanese uh, uh, energy healing uh, program in which uh, you're, you're pairing uh, hand, uh, you know, uh, hands-on healing with, uh, different, uh, with different symbols and runes or uh, characters that uh, each has a separate purpose, uh, like Live Lie uh, is a... Uh, uh, it's a rune that's used to break uh, to break up any blockages of uh, energy, uh, any, uh, blood clots, stuff like that. And it's actually a very intense and immersive uh, field of study. Um, there's pretty much three levels. There's the Reiki one, Reiki two, and then Reiki. Yes, master. I realize. I realize yeah. I have to ask when I ask people, "What level are you?" Right. Yeah, <laughs> and and. You know, so the only difference between Reiki Two and Reiki Master is Reiki Masters are able to uh, teach the uh, teach the practice, and it's really something that anyone can learn. Um, most people are naturally in tune to it. Uh, at least I feel that people are naturally attuned to uh, Reiki and uh, various healing energies. Uh, a very simple way for a lot of people to maybe understand it is uh, when you get a, a loving embrace or you make uh, physical contact with another person and you're just flushed with this yeah. warm kind of uh, gooey gooey sensation I guess yeah. <laughs> but just this warm just immersion in love yeah. and uh, almost electric uh, yeah. to the contact um, without really having uh, for a lot of people who haven't uh, experienced uh, those deep uh, tactile connections. Uh, Reiki is definitely. Uh, uh, it brings it, you back it, to it what does. you already have inside you. I feel like it, it does. just it's, very it's just moving things, like you said, moving, bringing things up, moving it out of the way, and just letting you be, just letting your your being, your your spirit, um, just come alive. Yeah, getting that kundalini flowing, and just. Yeah, you know, be uh, opening the chakras, getting uh, oops, <laughs> getting uh, kundalini to flow through the body, uh, and then getting that spirit just moving. Uh, it's it, it's a magical experience, and I highly recommend that anyone, uh, whether they're in pain or illness or not, really take the time to really 
experience this because it is consciously transformative. It is it's very powerful. Transformative. And yeah. it really has the power to just really bring you bring you to center and into spirit. And oh, that feeling. I feel like we get that feeling um, like when you're in nature. Is it kind of similar yeah. to that? Like when I'm in nature, I just feel so grounded and just so like, ah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's revolved around key energy. Uh, or if, if for people that follow the the Chinese style, it would be qi. So qi or qi, depending on yes, which island yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're on. So, okay. um, but yeah, it, it's really just tapping into that uh, that state of uh, super consciousness, uh, the God mind, um, where you're able to just kind of look at everything and you're free of your own ego. And I think that's uh, being once you can get free of ego, and that sounds like that's a huge part of what uh, your organization is about. Uh, in in that, uh, within our ego, we tell ourselves uh, stories, and some of those stories are negative, and yeah. we don't realize it. And it's a vicious it cycle. Toxic, and yeah. we want to uh, trapped into the. The, the same toxic thinking that is attached at the beginning part of a disease but should quickly wane away but because of lack of coping or yeah. just an onslaught of one thing after another like uh, your month uh, your month of puberty, uh, 2015 that's that's got to be incredibly challenging for the yeah. spirit it could really it, it really I realized that I was blessed um, that I did my father he's um, Baptist so I he was the one that brought me up to you know learning how to pray and everything like that so I had knowledge um, I guess you say beginning knowledge of the um, spiritual aspect um, that's connected to us but I you don't realize it until you actually are in a life changing situation where it you have no choice. You're going along for the ride where it affects your spirit, mind, and body. Your spirit is like, all right, what, you know, what are we going to do? Like, I, I feel things. Your body lets you know when just something is, is not right. Um, and it forces you to look at the world differently um, and not in a materialistic way to really just realize that we're all connected, you know, and... Uh, for me, I was blessed because I learned from that, and this is what came out of it. Um, but I also realized that I can't do things just on my own being. We're all connected, and I feel like that's what God did. He, you know, right. we're all connected, even though we may have, yeah. you know, different complexions and everything like that. If you turn us inside out, I mean, you're not going to be able right. <laughs> to know the difference. But for our organization... We wanted to be, I guess you could say, contagious. Like we wanted people to realize that you, we need one another. Absolutely. It shows every time when you have. It's just having a team, or when you have a business. If you have an effective team, you can go very far. Oh, but if your team is disconnected from each other or in their own ego, then it can collapse. You know, it can become corrupt. You know, so. We are just trying to bring the old school community back. Like, um, I guess, like, when you have a small town and everybody really relies on each other, 
and you respect each other, of course, everybody has their own issues here and there. But when it comes down to an issue being wrong, a lot of times they put their differences aside and come together as a community to help the person, no matter what their status is. Absolutely. And that, that's, that's definitely one thing that, as, uh, as our ever-growing expansion in these urban cities and suburban uh, settings, there is definitely that, uh, that push to separate and divide us from uh, you know, the, uh, being more intimately connected with uh, our neighbors and friends and coworkers, I and mean, we put ten foot security fences around. Yeah, which is crazy. We live closer together, right? <laughs> but you, you don't even know exactly. And you don't know. You don't know them. Exactly. And it's just like, and, you know, unfortunately, when you don't know the people that's going there around you, you don't know how you're going to need to react or how you're going to need to respond with them. You make, and you have judgment about them, maybe from your own upbringing. And I feel like that's the only way that our society, and I mean America, and I know that's, you know, big, but that's how our society is going to overcome the issues that we're having. Um, before... I was just realizing the other day that you have um, the younger generations, um, I believe you call them millenniums. Millennials. Millennials that they're, I'm very concerned. I'm in that um, era, but I'm like towards the end. But um, I'm concerned. because I concern myself, Gen X. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just our society that we're becoming more um, just um, attached from each other and that's what the organization is trying to do is trying to realize that how come when it comes to sickness it doesn't discriminate it doesn't say oh you make this much okay then I won't give you this disease I'll just right, go right. to the homeless person you know and no so how come our diseases don't really discriminate like um, obviously some people are more prone than others but meaning is that when you get sick you get sick and we should not just come together for when a person gets sick. We should just, you know, be there for each other day to day. It would make a big difference, and I think it would cut down on the sickness. It would cut down on the anxiety, the hate that's going on. So Mama Kai is just, it's, it's, will be so much bigger than just treating the person, you know, trying to just take care of their condition. We're trying to have it a ripple effect that once they see there's a community that is taking care of these people um, uh, for pretty much a reduced price or free if we need to, that we will take them, up, take them in, take care of them. And hopefully that release, that, that energy, that spirit, um, for me, the Holy Spirit inside to just help other people. Because when you have that positivity and then you release it you can tell when you see somebody that's smiling and they're happy and stuff uh, it's it's absolutely infectious. it's contagious you're <laughs> like oh my gosh i want to be around that person the best pathogens <laughs> out there. you know and 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 that's what we need to do absolutely taking a look at the time and then so what for you personally, what has been your biggest challenge with uh, having your diagnosis of EDS and additional thoughts? Um, my biggest challenge is 
I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, living in this society, you're just tired in general. But then when you have a chronic condition, I feel like there's days where I'm drowning that no matter how much I try to, you know, pump my arms and try to swim, it's just the water just keeps getting dumped on me. And, you know, and I'm just literally feel like I'm just above the water. Um and having a four-year-old son, it just makes it, you know, even harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm very mindful that there are days where, especially if I'm going to pick him up, you know, from school and everything, that if I'm not having a good day, I will preserve myself and just rest for that day to make sure I have the energy for him. Right. Um, it, it's hard as far as... Before, it was hard as far as people seeing me and um, realizing that I do have something wrong with me. Even if you don't know if I have something wrong with me, just being understanding to the unknown, which is, I know, it's very big and (laughs) it's it's hard, but it's the whole, everybody has a story, you know, and you, you don't know what their story is, so... How they teach you when you grow up, be kind to each other. Right. Don't be don't judge others. And I think it's harder when I have to go out and I have to put on this show or this, you know, this hide um behind like kind of fit in. You know, even though I know I can't move around the way you move around. Right. All for what? For me to go home and collapse. <laughs> right. I think one of uh I think one of my bigger uh, conundrums is when I pull up into like the grocery store and I pull into the handicapped stall I've got the placard up and I get out of the car and even if I'm walking normal that day I found myself compelled to like well maybe I should just like drag a leg just so I don't catch any flack because what the hell are you doing parked in the handicapped spot you know those because I've had a few of those uh, with regards to myself and with my uh, special needs daughter where it's like okay really just because we don't look this certain way that you expect us to, just because we're not pushing off in a wheelchair or crutches, whatever. Like, it's true. My, my favorite thing, and I'm, I'm waiting for the next opportunity to do this in that situation, is I'd love to have my stepdaughter just introduce herself. Be like, hey, Astrid, tell me your name. And mm-hmm. because as soon as she starts talking, it's obvious at that point. Mm-hmm. But for like, you and I, with EBS and PTS, it's where where is the obviousness yeah. and so we don't get that luxury you know, we don't have and then you have to decide am I going to sit there and educate them in the parking lot or am right. I just going to just you know keep it moving but I, I feel like that for us we do have to educate people um, even if you may get them where they're like okay they've never heard of it or they may not believe you or anything like that it's just you never know. You may come across that person like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And that's one less person, hopefully, that we're changing the narrative to the story of the perspective of how we see people. Right. Absolutely. Little things like that are definitely um, what help tighten up and strengthen, our, uh, strengthen the communities. And, uh, with the election season starting here, we saw it last, we saw it in 2016, we saw it in the midterms, but we know that there's going to be a push for social and political divisiveness, 
uh, I think having these conversations and being able to uh, have people listen to this and be able to recognize that there is a push for community out there and that there is a push to uh, hear uh, uh, like ideally my, my, my biggest purpose with this is just to let people share their stories so that those stigmas are broken down so that we do start to recreate that community that yeah. uh, we've lost because and it, this was actually a conversation I was having with my other half uh, the other day about just how dramatically uh, each generation has changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, these millennials today, they, they spend so much of their time inside and there is a legitimate worry for them to not be outside. Yeah. And depending on... They're having anxiety like, yeah. and everything like that. Because, I mean, unfortunately, we, we live in a very... Uh, I, I hate to say a dangerous time, but at the same time... You know, with everything that happens and everything that we see in the media and with all these school events, you know, it is a scary time to let go of our children and let them go and play until the streetlights come on. Yeah, that, that, yeah I remember. I, I right? did that too. Yeah, yeah. you had to be inside before the streetlights. No, let me ask you, would you let your, you know, in a couple of years when your son's older, would you let him play until... The it's it's sad to say because like you said our times are different and just the threat of danger <coughs> that there's there's different levels of danger um you know with me being african-american and my son you know unfortunately i'm very concerned about him and his well-being being out there um just because of his skin complexion yeah. you know so that's another level <laughs> yeah, and, on top and of that it's, and it's a justified fear as, yeah. as a minority race in America yeah. people like you and myself are very subject to these uh, predispositions from the law enforcement and from yeah. just just the community as a whole um, and it's it, it's a huge challenge and especially for young black men yeah. uh, it's it's, it's like how do I teach my son to yeah. deal with police officers yeah, and um, no matter which way I teach him yeah, it's, how do you it's, empower him to be himself <laughs> but at the same time be respectful to around, yeah. around the photo negative like, yeah it's like am I going to teach my child to be scared yeah of, and of, that's, that's almost a little stomach turn to even have to think like that that you have to brace your kids for uh, some of these harsh realities that are out there yeah. and you know, it, um, it, it just ties back into that community if we can strengthen that community yeah. then none of us have to worry we don't have to worry about you know, oil pipelines going through tribal lands we don't have to worry about you know, young black man walking down the street wearing a hoodie yeah. like yeah. what is so scary about that yeah um, so we're we're definitely in a time, and I think that's why also, you know, and this is probably be for another time for us, uh, where religion is plays a big part, um, and it's just one of those things where um, I think I pull more towards God, the more I become spiritual, the more that weight of hatred and everything comes off me. I'm more understanding, I'm more loving, and once you get that that peace that you can't get from this earth is just an unexplainable type of peace. And I, you know, got saved, you know, believe in Jesus Christ. But I understand that everybody doesn't believe in that. So it was a lot of, at first, a little controversy about, well, 
you know, we're faith-based, but do we really, <laughs> you know, you know, tell people? And I said, look, I said, why are we... That That's, I feel like, the least about issue, personally, to me, because I'm not saying that because I believe in God and Jesus Christ, in order for you to be a part of this organization, this is what you need to do. No, when Jesus, he did not talk about um, religion at all. It was more about love and just, you know, really just teaching us, you know, ways of being there for each other. You know, and th- that, so it's like we, he talked about that, what, 2000 so ago, and, and it keeps coming back, so... They gotta be some truth to it, and that's what we're just we're trying to do. We everybody has their own spiritual journey. We just want to help pull back the layers so you can find your own, and that is my job, my purpose here with this organization. And I tell anybody that wants to find out more about us to check out the website, um, which is mumlakahealing.com, um, and. Um, Trying to think, do I should spell it? You know, spell it um, out for them. Yeah, my, I, I would probably go ahead and spell that. <laughs> so Mamlaka Healing, it's a M A M L A K A H Healing at um sorry dot com. So it's mamlakahealing dot com, and uh, you just find out more about us. We're definitely looking for people to support us. Um, like I said, we're looking for uh, Reiki masters. Um, yoga instructors, acupuncturists, um, naturopathic doctors, herbalists that can help out. And if you're not in the area, you can also just donate to us. Um, and your donation would go to people um, that are not able to pay, to pay for their treatment. And that's literally what we're doing. We're just trying to be a big community to help the people that are struggling to help themselves and let them know that they're loved and that, they're matter- that they matter. Wonderful. There's... I'm sure there's a large number of uh, potential donors out there that are going to be more than willing to volunteer both their time and finances because this is a mess, this is a social need, this is something that is that we don't know when we're going to need it, but at some point or another, everyone's going to need uh, this type of help. And that. Yeah, I mean, you have you have rehabilitations for drug and alcohol but where's the rehabilitation for somebody that has a flare-up people figure because you have a chronic condition oh you got this for the rest of your life you know you're a lost cause we only can do but so much but stress makes a a big impact in a person's life from being okay and maybe i guess in remission with whatever condition they have to having a full-blown flare-up and being back at square one or even worse and that's where we want to help them to say hey you know kind of fell off the wagon we all do uh here's a little help you know we come to your door we'll take you to your doctor's appointment if you need us to or we'll just be there just to support you just to listen to you on whatever you want to do wonderful well thank you so much this has been a wonderful topic thank you thank you so much for having me that was jessica marshall To help get our show launched, we're giving away a pack of high-quality stickers guaranteed to last seven years against all elements. Leave us a review to be entered. The winner will be picked at random from our social media. 
If you enjoy what you hear, like and listen to us on your favorite podcasting app and follow us on Facebook, Instagram at Everyday People, Everyday Minds, or on Twitter at Minds underscore People. You can also email us at Everyday People, Everyday Minds at gmail.com. If you have any questions, topics, or feedback that you would like to share, feel free to constructively comment or message us. Our show is funded through continued listener support, and always, thanks for listening.